Service excellence is a top priority at Doctors Hospital. Part of our commitment to the community is to offer important information and education. That's why we're proud to present the Doctors Hospital Health News Podcast Series. Here's Melanie Cole. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, as many as 29 million people in the United States have diabetes, but up to 8 million may be undiagnosed and unaware of their condition. My guest today is Dr. Mateo Reyes. He's a family medicine physician and a member of the medical staff at Doctors Hospital of Laredo. Welcome to the show, Dr. Reyes. So what is diabetes type 2? Type 2 diabetes is a problem with the body um, having what we call insulin resistance or the body's inability to use insulin appropriately in order to be able to transfer sugar from the blood into the cells to be used for energy. So are there certain people who are predisposed to type 2 diabetes? And, and we're, di- we're distincting between type 1 and type 2 because type 1 is something that really can be a lifelong thing. But diabetes type 2, which used to be called adult onset, now we are seeing in children. So just give us a little physiology lesson of the difference between the two. Type 1 diabetes is all, was also known as insulin-dependent diabetes. Um, is the body doesn't, the pancreas doesn't produce insulin, and therefore they require insulin to manage their sugars. In type 2 diabetes, uh, it's actually quite the opposite. There's a lot of insulin, but there's insulin resistance and therefore the person uh, builds up high levels of sugar in the blood. So one, one requires insulin, and, and, and one, the other one's type 2 does not require insulin. Sometimes type 2 diabetics, however, uh, with time, uh, people start using insulin. doesn't make them a type 1 diabetic unless they deplete their insulin levels in their body and enter something that's called diabetic ketoacidosis, at which point a type 2 can become a type 1. I'm glad you made that distinction between insulin resistance and the pancreas being damaged or destroyed, really, for type 1. So who's at risk for type 2? Are there lifestyle things that can be involved that can help cause it? The, one, of the, one of the biggest risk factors is ethnicity. Um, I think somewhere around 16% of American Indians um, have type 2 diabetes mellitus, uh, something like 13% of uh, non-Hispanic uh, African-American uh, people have type 2 diabetes, and about also about 13% of Hispanics, uh, 9% of Asian-Americans. So that, that, that tends to be a big risk factor. Then, of course, the other one would be uh, obesity, uh, particularly the people that have the centripetal obesity or the pear-shaped distribution type of fat uh, around the belly. Uh, that one produces uh, more insulin resistance than the one than the people that carry it more on their thighs and etc. So, what would be your first best? piece of advice. If someone is told that they have pre-diabetes, that they're sort of on the edge of full-blown diabetes, what would you want them to know and what would you want them to do? So the, the biggest thing that we always start with is lifestyle modifications. Of course, um, you know, there has been some studies that show that losing up to 10% of a person's body weight at the diagnosis of pre-diabetes 
will keep them from becoming a, pre, uh, a full-blown diabetic, uh, at least in, the, in that short period of time. And, you know, somebody who's, like, on the verge of becoming a diabetic, you tell them lose 10% of your body weight. Uh, of course, you encourage a, a low-carb uh, diet. You, in, you encourage exercise. Uh, and, and of course, the weight loss, and then you can you can keep them from becoming a diabetic, so long as they maintain that lifestyle modification. Of course, if they go back to their old ways, then you know the risk comes right back. So then, if they are diagnosed, so we, we you've mentioned the lifestyle modifications a little bit, and then what about nutrition? And then medicational intervention, Dr. Reyes, because first of all, nutrition, people hear carbohydrates and right away they say, oh, I'm not allowed to eat those anymore. Now I'm a diabetic. But certain vegetables are carbohydrates and 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 things that are not necessarily so bad for you. So what do you tell people about their nutritional requirements? So, you know, the I mean, the, the, the whole key to that is just having a healthy, well-balanced meal because you're diabetic does not mean that you have to eliminate carbohydrates. Of course, you have to go on a lower-carbohydrate diet. The body still needs some carbohydrates uh, to for energy. I mean, the body uses glucose for energy, and if you totally deplete it, uh, then you're going to start uh, going into, into uh, uh, glucose starvation mode, and then you start breaking down fat, which at some point, I mean, it, it can be something desirable, such as... Uh, like the Atkins diet or something like that, but but the brain in particular doesn't do very well without glucose. So, you know, uh, the the low carbohydrate diet is good. Obviously, you're going to want to go on a low fat diet because most people with diabetes also have issues with uh, with uh, uh, fat metabolism or cholesterol. Um, you know, but you do want to eat your vegetables. You know, you do want to eat your greens. Um, you know, and the, the 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 huge thing here is moderation and portion size. You know, you know, for example, you know, uh, if you're going to have some rice, you know, it has to be just whatever fits in the palm of your hand. You know, but that doesn't mean you cannot have any rice. Uh, obviously, you you want to stick more to the lean proteins, uh, more veggies, and a little bit of carbs. You know, uh, and and then of course the portion size. You know. So if you look at the food uh, pyramid that, that dietitians talk about, I mean, that's a healthy, well-balanced meal. You want to decrease your fat intake, your your carb intake, but you don't want to totally eliminate them. And then what about if you do have to look toward medication? Are there some medications that can help reduce your, you know, glucose levels? Are there oral medications? What are What are you doing today for people that are having trouble with those lifestyle modifications, Dr. Reyes, and they have to turn toward medicational intervention to help them with this? Well, there's a there's a lot of medicines uh, available now for for diabetes. Um, and there's a lot of actually good medications nowadays that make the body function uh, in a more normal way. You know, uh, still the the number one medicine used in type two diabetes is probably one of the older ones. It's called metformin, and it allows the body to utilize its own insulin better, as opposed to having to use insulin. And there's some medicines that work by eliminating uh, sugar in the gut, some by eliminating sugar in the kidneys, some that help the pancreas work in a more normal fashion. Uh, There's a broad spectrum of medications, of course. 
when 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 medicines uh oral medications fell then you know you have to go to insulin or if you're diagnosed with a very high level of sugar on presentation your doctor might even opt to start you on insulin right off the bat with some medication like metformin to bring your 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 sugar levels down and then if you do really good then maybe take you off the insulin and keep you on oral medications what about exercise, doctor? Where does that fit into this picture? Because that's really so important, and exercise can have an insulin-like effect. So so how often would you like people to exercise? What would you like them to do? Well, of course, in all diabetics, um, you know, you have to make sure you get an okay from your doctor to exercise uh, at first to begin with. Um, and then, of course, like I stated earlier, the, the body uses sugar for energy, so the, the more you exercise the lower your sugar levels go in your blood. So if you're a diabetic and you're going to be in an exercise program, it's going to be important that you check your sugar before you exercise to make sure you're not too low because obviously if you exercise and your sugar is, is, is in a low normal range, then you've got to bottom out. Um, the other thing is, of course, when you exercise too much and you push your body way too much, then the body starts getting stressed and then the uh, adrenaline, cortisol, uh, mechan- uh, mechanism of the body starts pushing out more sugar into the bloodstream so your sugars can actually go high. So um, typically exercising 30 minutes a day most days of the week uh, is recommended. Uh, 150 minutes of cardiovascular exercise per week is recommended. Um, and, of course, after you exercise, if you're a diabetic, it's, it's important to make sure you check your feet, uh, make sure you didn't get any blisters, any ulcers from the exercise. And uh, that's pretty much it as far as exercise goes. And so what about self-monitoring? How, how would you like people to... Are those glucose kits that you can get at the pharmacy, are that what you want them to use to keep track of their blood sugar levels? And how often would you like them to check those? Well, I mean, if, if you're a person, it depends, right? If you're a person that has been controlled, uh, if your sugars have been uh, very well controlled, then it's not, you don't need to monitor it every day. I tell my patients to monitor if they don't feel well uh, or if they're getting any signs or symptoms of low blood sugar or high blood sugar. Um, somebody who's on insulin three times a day, uh, they require much more frequent monitoring uh, when they wake up, uh, before meals, and at bedtime. So it depends on where you fall in. But typically, somebody on pills shouldn't be monitoring more than once a day uh, unless they're feeling bad or they're having episodes of their sugars dipping too low or, too, or going up too high. Uh, somebody on insulin probably needs to check at least twice a day and sometimes even three, four times a day. So in just the last few minutes, Dr. Reyes, what would you like people to know about diabetes and living with and managing their symptoms? Well, diabetes diabetes can be, uh, doesn't have to be uh, a, a uh, death sentence as people saw it before. Uh, diabetes is actually something that is very manageable uh, and it's very important that people take care of themselves because you know, people that, people, a, lot, a big thing is people always say, you know, I don't, well, I don't feel bad, therefore I, may, I skip medication here and there, and, and I don't care if my sugar's high because I'm totally okay. You tell me my numbers look good. But, and, and that can happen early on, but with time, diabetes will eventually catch up to you. And, you know, 
15, 20 years of uncontrolled diabetes can do a lot of damage. And, of course, if you're a 30-year-old with type 2 diabetes or a 20-year-old with type 2 diabetes, then you're looking at problems at a very young age. Diabetes is the number one cause of blindness in the United States, number one uh, number one cause of, uh, of amputation in the United States, number one cause of renal failure in the United States, is associated with an increase in strokes, is associated with an increase in heart attacks. So, you know, if you take care of yourself, then you minimize your risk of a complication and a better outlook and uh, quality of life later on in life. So don't take, don't wait till you have a problem to start taking care of yourself because a lot of the damage that the diabetes does is irreversible. You know, you got to start taking care of yourself the minute you're diagnosed with it. Thank you so much, Doctor, for being with us today. You're listening to Doctors Hospital Health News with Doctors Hospital of Laredo. For more information, please visit IChooseDoctorsHospital.com. That's IChooseDoctorsHospital.com. Physicians are independent practitioners who are not employees or agents of Doctors Hospital of Laredo. The hospital shall not be liable for actions or treatments provided by physicians. Doctors Hospital of Laredo is directly or indirectly owned by a partnership that includes physician owners, including certain members of the hospital medical staff. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.